0: Well, this morning, I hope you noticed, man, all the music was uh, just amazingly tied in to last week and this week, and it's all about our resourcing Christ, and we're going to be playing on that theme that we are made complete and that we have everything that we need because of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is such a blessing Um, I know Raul said that we're here because we don't need coffee, but it helps, right? (laughs) It helps. (laughs) No, the coffee only helps for so long and then it wears off. But thank the Lord that's not who Christ is. Some of you look a little tired and I was thinking of uh, some of you look a little tired and that's partially because we were double stuffed yesterday You know, when I go down the cookie aisle at the store, I don't look for Oreos. I look for the double-stuffed Oreos, right? I want to be doubly blessed. If I'm going to buy an Oreo, I want everything I can get. I don't want to have to take them apart and put two together. I want all, right? Uh, And uh, so, but those of you that were here yesterday for the, the seminar, the apologetics training seminar... And uh, man, it, we were just stuffed full to the brim. And I had to run around uh, to keep myself awake. And then, uh, and then we had all this food, nonstop food the whole day. So we were blessed both spiritually and physically. It was amazing. And uh, so it was quite a blessing. So if you, if you weren't able to come, just uh, start asking questions. Find somebody that did go and they'll start just telling you everything that they can remember. So I'm so good. Claire, I see you, you, you went back and got your friend. So <laughs> I was going to tell you, you have a friend here today. But anyway, so it's wonderful to be here and to be in the Lord and to go to his word. And so would you bow your heads and just pray with me as we go to the Lord's word, that we can read it together and ask the Holy Spirit to help us understand it together. Lord. We are here because of you, Lord, and you are so great. Lord, you are great in all things. There is nothing that you are less in. Lord, every one of us are great in something, but we're less in a lot of things. But that is not you. Lord, I pray that we would see and behold your glory this morning. And that we would realize the fullness of of your word and how it describes you and it describes us and lord i pray that it would impact our hearts this morning and that our hearts would be connected to our minds and our thinking and and to realize what we truly have and that we would be blessed and lord that we wouldn't be tripped up discouraged because of the things of this world. And Lord, that you would multiply that grace, that peace that surpasses all understandings to us this morning. Guard our hearts and our minds, I pray, Lord, as we read your word and as we live our lives, may it be for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our text, we've been, we just started 2 Peter, and so if you're a guest with us, uh, last week we talked about the foundation that we have because of what God has given us through Christ. And we're going to be jumping uh, and building on top of that foundation uh, this morning. And so we're going to be reading uh, the first few verses of 2 Peter. And of course, there is so much going on in this Short little book, and so we don't want to miss any of it. And as we as we walk through uh, this wonderful, wonderful uh, gospel of the Lord that tells us about what we have in Christ, and so let's read together, starting in verse one of Second Peter. It says, "Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have attained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness." of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His his own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the, from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Wow. As we get into our text this morning, as we think about what we just read, and as we go to now that we've heard the text and as we explain the text, to remember what Peter is facing as he writes to the church, and as, and as God, God's Spirit directs Peter and says, tell this to the church, remember how much is captivated by false teaching. We heard a lot last uh, yesterday, uh, we heard a lot about how false teaching and about the different things from a human perspective and, and has infiltrated our thinking and can trip us up and to think that you know, that God's word as, isn't as important as science or we, we get tripped up by things because of smart people and smart thinking and we begin to look away from God's word. And that wasn't something new. This was something that had started right from the very inception of the church. Peter is, in fact, putting this together because of false teaching that is attacking the church. It's very real then, just it is now. And in fact, one of the earliest heresies or problems that came to, and attacked the church was a religious form called Gnosticism and Uh, It starts with the letter G, but that's silent, and the rest is, you know, you can ask Laurel or Jewel about the English part of that. But it's Gnosticism, and this is what Gnosticism was. It was considering themselves, or they considered themselves a higher form of a Christian, okay? They were a little bit better than a Christian. But although Gnostics' beliefs were varied, you know, just like anybody Everybody has their spin on things. There is many different varies. We can sum it up into some very um, essential things that they all agreed on in the Gnostic kind of mentality and religion. And that is this, that the material world is bad and that the spirit world is good. So the world is bad, spirit is good. And that has some very big implications because of, God is spirit, and he came to the world as a man. And so they don't, they, they, they start looking at scripture and say, well, that's not what it means. It has to mean this. And they tra- change a lot of scripture verses because of that one belief. Another one is this, is because of that belief, salvation is through a secret knowledge. You have to have a secret knowledge in order to be saved. Now, That should remind you of something because one of the major words that Peter uses all through 2 Peter is knowledge. But it's not knowledge as in knowing something, it's knowledge as experiencing something. If you talk to a lot of people, it's like, you know, everybody told me about farming, right? Farming animals, farming pigs, farming ducks and chickens, and right? But when I do it, I realize it's different. Experience knowledge is different than knowing knowledge. Right? My dad, my, not my biological dad, but my adoptive dad, not my stepdad. I know I have all these different conundrums in my testimony. If you don't know my testimony, it's strange. But just remember, my adoptive dad, he told me, he said this. He said, Kyle, he says, I never hire A straight-A student to go and work for my construction company I said well that's weird don't you want to have the best and the brightest and he goes no because here's the thing all they know is what the book says but when they get into the real world they don't survive they just because the real world doesn't match up with the book right He says, so we look for kind of a C plus B average kind of guy. And I was like, great, because that's what I had. I was like, whoo. so I was like, all right. But I actually graduated Bible college with a B plus average, so a little higher. But no, just joking. So here's the thing. They were all focused on secret knowledge. But Peter is saying, look, it's not about knowing secret knowledge. It's about intimate knowledge. With our Savior. Also, since a good God could not create an evil world, it must have been created by something inferior. There was some inferior process that created the world, either an evil, inferior God or an evil inferior theory. Does that sound familiar? If you were here yesterday, that should sound really familiar. Another one is since Gnostics, Gnostics, Gnostics held matter to be corrupt. All matter is corrupt, they considered the body to be corrupt also. Wow. So if the body is corrupt, then what do you do? Well, all through history, Gnostics believe since the body is corrupt, there's nothing we can do to fix that. We might as well do and live for the flesh as much as possible. Because the flesh doesn't matter. Because we're only saved through secret knowledge and spirit is all that matters. Don't corrupt your spirit, just corrupt the body. So they indulged. You know, live life large because we only have one to live. That kind of mentality. Also, Gnostics also believed authority is to be challenged because they are less important and corrupt because authority ha- is just... De- is over this matter world that's corrupt, and only secret knowledge and supernatural events that are of the Spirit are the most important. So, that was Gnosticism, and that was what Peter was facing, and the church was facing, when God gave him these words that we read this morning. Peter jumps in with two feet, right? You can tell that what we just read about what they were facing, that he counteracts a lot of that teaching just in the first several verses. In fact, let's just run over again. Listen to how Peter describes the false teachers in Second Peter. In order to do that, you have to look at chapter 2 and chapter 3. But it says, the first thing is is. In Peter chapter 2, verse 1, it says, um, there's false teachers among you who secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them. Okay, and he's talking about Christ, who purchased them by the very blood of Christ. And it says this, he says that they they deny Christ by their false teaching. That was one of the first things that they did, is they denied that Christ was God. The other thing that they did in Second Peter chapter 3 was that they would twist the scripture to their own means. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and, and 16, they were they were they took something that they didn't understand, so they twisted it to fit their own means. At the very end of verse 16 it says which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do with other scriptures. So if they didn't understand something and were ignorant of who God is, they would take it and they would twist it to make it fit their understanding or fit their system. That sound familiar? Right? It not only fits today, but it fit in the Gnostic system. Number three, Paul described it, it as that they follow cleverly devised tales or destructive heresies right in verse 1 that we already read in second peter 2 going back to second peter 3 they mocked the second coming of christ and the coming judgment they mocked it and they, they were like made fun of the fact well, where is this promise coming where is christ i thought you said he was coming back in verse 5 through 7 they would tease the church and the other believers about that. They didn't believe in Christ. They twisted the scriptures to fit their own means. They, they would come up with these cleverly devised things and they put it all together and they mocked who Christ was and they mocked the second coming of Christ. They also practiced immorality. If Second Peter, go to verse two of chapter two, and it says, "And many follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be blasphemed. Because of their sensual lifestyle, they're going to blaspheme God, and they're going to blaspheme the truth of who God is, and the truth of Christ, and the truth of Scripture. Because of their sensual lifestyle, sound familiar? It should. It's what we described." The Gnostic system, they fits exactly what we're, we were talking about, and it fits today. They also despised authority. Look at verse 10 of chapter 2 of 2 Peter. It says, in verse 10, it says, And especially those who indulge in the lust and defiling passions, and, despi- and they despise authority. Here's the thing. If you're going to church and focusing on what is true and what is right and, and discovering who God is, and this system of false teachers is all about focusing on themselves and indulging in sensual desires and authority is telling you to focus on Christ, of course they're going to rebel against the authority of God's word and focusing on who God is. So they, they despised authority. They also were very arrogant and vain. Verse 18, it says, for speaking loud and Boasts of folly, they they are enticed by sensual passions of the flesh. Basically, the word there is they entertained their flesh. They were arrogant and vain. Uh, Verses 3 of chapter 2 in 2 Peter, they sought material gain. It was about material gain. Do you see a pattern developing? How many of you say, Pastor, that doesn't just sound like the Gnostics of Peter's day. It sounds a lot like people in religion today. It does, doesn't it? What you know, what goes around comes around. <laughs> Why? The wise the wise preacher of Ecclesiastes said there is nothing new under the and praise the Lord we have a little bit of that still left. <laughs> right? Winter hasn't fully come yet. It'll be here sooner than we want to admit. That is why knowing our foundation and who God is is so important. That's why Peter is saying this, uh, this faith that we have attained, this equal faith. Nobody's faith is more important than somebody else's. It is given to us by God's righteousness. What we've been given is based on God's righteousness. It's not based on our righteousness. It's not based on us. And it is multiplied in the intimate relationship that we have with Christ. Do you understand? All of what we just said in verses 1 and 2 tells us that it's not based on us. But how much of today's religion and how much of today's society and how much of the Gnostics of Peter's day and the early church was about selfish gain or self? about the flesh. And so this morning, as we look at this, in uh, verse 3, we come to this, and it says His, and it's talking about Jesus Christ, our Lord, His divine power has granted us to all things that pertain to life and godliness. Do you see that? It's like, why are you focusing and going after all of these things that we've been talking about? These false teachers are are living out. These false teachers are portraying all these false teachers today are telling us is important when we have everything that we need for all of life and life that accompanies everything now on earth and everything that we need according to God's goodness godliness his righteousness that when he saved us he imparted to us or imputed gave to us his righteousness not our righteousness we have everything we need Do you see that i mean we could stop right there right now and everybody would be like amen but do you understand what that's saying life that's what we are experiencing now and godliness everything based on who god is now and forever through Christ, we have everything. What else do we need? That's the question. I don't know about you, but men, wouldn't you like, and I think the ladies would love this, but men, wouldn't you like, and I'll explain both, but here's the thing, wouldn't you love to be able to go to the store, go to Home Depot, or go to the, you know, the farm store, you know, whatever it is, Go to that store, and you, all you need is one tool to fix everything. Yeah. That would be amazing. I would have so much storage space at my house, right? Just think about that. So guys, we were like, that would be so nice. I could just go grab the one thing. I could go fix everything. When my cow jumps the fence like she likes to do right now, I could just go get that one tool, and it would fix it, Right? Ladies would be like, man, that would be such a blessing. Our budget would just explode, right? <laughs> my husband won't, doesn't need to buy any more tools. Praise the Lord, right? And my, my wife always says, do you really need it? And I'm like, and I, so I give her the information. She goes, oh, you can't actually do that without that. And I'm like, yep. She goes, okay. <laughs> but it would, wouldn't that be a blessing? But that's the point, Jesus Christ is everything. And he's more. He's not just a tool. Right? He is everything. He is our life. He's everything we need for life. He is the mirror image of everything that we should focus on that should amplify who we are. We should be Not looking to dress ourselves like the world. We shouldn't be mirroring the world, but we need to be mirroring Christ because He is everything that we need. Peter is reminding the church, don't get caught up in what all these other people are saying because they're distracting you from what you really need and what you really have. Right? Go back to verse, two, uh, or verse 1. It says, to those who have what? Obtained. Been given. Faith. Right? God gave us our faith. God saved us. You've been given that. Go back to what you already have. Don't get caught up in what you don't have. Let's consider that. Our all-sufficient resource is Christ. It's sufficient for everything. Don't let the world delude you into believing you need something else. There's some other secret teaching. There's more teaching that you need. You need to know Christ more. Because he is everything that you need. That's, I don't know if this is working. There we go. Things to consider. A complete life. You know what I mean by complete life? That means a full life. We have everything that we need type of life. A complete life has been granted by grace. Granted. It's been given to us. If you look at verse 3, that divine power has, it's literally, has been granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's been granted to us. In fact, it, in the text, it is his divine power, by the way, there's a Greek just as his divine power. There, it points back to verse 2. In verse 2, it tells us that this knowledge, that grace and peace will be multiplied based on knowing, intimate knowing God and Christ. We have grace granted to us. The word granted is in the perfect tense. This is what it means. This is important. This is great to understand. That there's something has happened in the past that continues to be relevant and applicable to your life in the present. What was granted to us, the life that Jesus gave us when he died on the cross and paid for our sin, the faith that has been granted us to be saved is relevant now we got to stop believing that okay I'm got saved now I got to start looking for things that are relevant out in the world and peter is saying church no our foundation's in christ in an intimate relationship with christ and now what you've been granted what you've been given is still relevant and in fact it The idea of being granted to us these things speaks to great generosity. It's the same description that Jesus talks about when he speaks about the wedding or a wedding. Do you know a Jewish wedding lasts for seven days? I also found out that a Samoan memorial service lasts for seven days. Hey, I made the mistake. Somebody asked me, "Hey, can I do, you know, can we have a memorial service at your church?" I was like, "Yeah, that'd be great." And then I found out it was a, and then I found out what they meant. It was 7 24-hour days. Yeah. 3 big U-Haul trucks. One with freezers and refrigerators in it, the other one with rice and chicken in it. No, or the other two with rice and chicken in it. Yeah, I had like 80 pounds of chicken left over that they gave me afterwards. It was a productive seven days. We ate and ate and ate and ate and sang and prayed and cried. and Man, I was just utterly exhausted because I had agreed to keep the door open and host that thing. And I was foolish enough to try to stay up every night with them. (laughs) But this idea, the word here granted to us is a wedding term. In Matthew chapter 22, he, he says that when the wedding took place that they would, call, uh, they would call everybody together. And the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. By the way, that's what, when we go home to be with the Lord. When, we, when Jesus comes back and he reunites us with him, we're going to have this wedding feast because we are the bride of Christ. And we're going to be, God is going to present us to him to Jesus in this big, huge wedding feast that's going to go on for eternity. Right? And he says in verse 4 of Matthew 22, he says, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatted livestock are all butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. Here's what God is telling us in these verses this morning. Can you imagine saying, God is calling us to the wedding feast, saying, "Hey, I've have, I have done everything. I've butchered everything. The, the wedding the wedding feast is prepared, and uh, we're just going to have some, you know, like little chicken nuggets." <laughs> and I, there might be enough for everybody. I, I might have to cut them into fours, right? I don't know if I have enough. Because that's the language is describing a wedding feast. Now let me read Romans 8.32. He, that is God, did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Is God preparing a wedding feast for us to say, well, I'm sorry, I don't have enough? When we don't believe our relationship, our not intimate relationship with God is enough, we are basically saying, God, I don't believe that you've prepared the wedding feast. There's not enough. There's not enough food to meet my needs. But if he didn't even spare his own son, how will he not give us all things Freely, it'd be like saying, yes, you're all invited to the largest wedding feast known to man, but you have to give me your whole life savings before. Does that sound like what God's saying? No. If you are a believer, you have an intimate relationship with Christ. If you have Christ, he has given you an abundant supply of, of all you need to live a life pleasing to him. He didn't say, here, I want you to live my life, your life for me, to glorify God, and now you have to figure out how to do that. That's not what Peter is saying to us as a church. That's not what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. He's saying, don't listen to the culture and the foolish things of the world, don't get entrapped by their thinking. What you have in Christ is sufficient. He has freely given you all things that you need to live. The cool thing is, is it's not just for now, it's for the rest of eternity. That's why... Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12:9, "My grace is sufficient for you, my power is made perfect in weakness, therefore I will not boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me." Or Colossians 2:8 through10. Remember what we read this morning what Jim read to us? "See that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. Focus on that. It says, Empty deceit, right? Do you see the word empty? According to human traditions, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole, see the word whole? Empty, whole, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. You see, empty and the word filled. Some translations put you complete. You are complete in Him. By Christ, you are complete or you are filled. When we focus on the world, guess what happens? We are empty. I know I'm going long and I'm not going to go through all the other stuff. I want you to understand this one thing. You can chase the empty deceit of the world, and it will produce an empty life. You chase a relationship with Christ, and you will never be empty. You'll be full, you'll be complete. A complete life is gained through an intimate knowledge of him. A complete life in Jesus is grounded in God's call. Not grounded as like you're put in the corner and you're in trouble. It's actually grounded like in anchored. So when the storm is driving all around us, that anchor in Christ holds firm. It doesn't break loose. Our life is not shipwrecked because we have a sure foundation in Christ don't pursue the, the things of this world the world let me let me give you a secret one day the world will be gone it's going to be destroyed and guess what this is all i'm going to say political this morning the whole Earth will not flood again. I don't care what people say today because it will be destroyed by fire. It's going to lack up all the water. There will be no water. In fact, everything will be gone. When Christ returns and he brings his judgment on the world and sin and his judgment is completed, the world will be gone now, does that mean that we're irresponsible with the world? No. That doesn't mean that we're irresponsible, right? It has nothing to do with irresponsibility. But our focus on the world is one of a little deviation from Christ to get us focused on the wrong things. We are, we don't, we are complete in Christ. I say that because we let the world's influence distract us. All too often in the church. All too often in our life, we believe that we need more. We need more. There's got to be something more. I'm telling you, don't be deceived. Don't let Satan deceive you. Don't let him, because all he's doing is knocking over your life and you're losing the joy that God has when you are in Christ. Chasing money. I have a great example. My adoptive dad who's chased money his whole life. He's lost, I can't tell you how many businesses he's lost over the last 25, 30 years. He's literally made, I think he was up to eight million at one time and now he's he's back down into the hundreds of thousands again. He's made millions, lost millions. Easy come, easy go. And he always is shocked. He's like, How come you have a new car? Where'd that come from? And it wasn't brand new, it was just new to me. And, and I'm like, Well, I said, God supplied it. And he goes, No. He said, Where'd it come from? And I was like, Well, I couldn't afford it. God provided it. One person gave me a car for a thousand bucks, and it wasn't worth a thousand bucks, it was worth a lot more. But God is always supplied. I've always had what I need, not always what I want. Trust me, there's always more. He has bought into that system that you needed more, need more, need more, need more money. My dad is, has a heartache that only can be filled with the all sufficient Christ. Don't be buy into this world system. That is controlled by Satan. We need Christ. Because this world is going to be gone. This world will be gone. And then what will you have? If you don't have Christ, you have nothing. If we have Christ, we have enough. We have everything. We have more than enough. The table is being laid for us to feast with our Savior. Remember that. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. Lord, we are so rich and we don't know it. We are so blessed and we don't realize it. Lord, help us to not be satisfied with the things of this world. Lord, help us to be satisfied with you. Lord, give us just the faith that we need to trust you. Lord, I thank you that you have called us not by our righteousness, but by your righteousness. Lord, there is nothing that we could do that would be ever good enough for you. But you knew that, so you provided your son to die on the cross, to pay for our sin. But even more than that, to satisfy your wrath. Lord, we deserve wrath. You gave us Christ. We deserve hell, but you died on the cross that we might have life and life eternal. An abundant life, not abundant life here on earth, but an abundant life for eternity. Lord, I just pray that if someone here is still wavering, Lord, they're still struggling, they're still focused on themselves and the flesh and and the, the, the worldly thought process of things, that they would just be pricked in their heart and right now where they sit, that, Lord, in their heart, that they would kneel right now and pray talk to you and call upon you to save them and and stop trying to save themselves or we can never save ourselves. One day you will return. You are coming to bring judgment. Your wrath will be poured out on this world. And Lord, those that have been saved, that the blood of the cross, the blood of Christ has been applied to their life, they will be saved for all eternity. Lord, and I pray that right now if there's someone here sitting that they would call upon you, confess their sins, Lord, and and that they would call upon you and say, Lord, I need you because I don't have that all-sufficient resource. Lord, that they would get saved right now. They wouldn't wait for after the service. They wouldn't wait for when we're singing. That they would call upon you and be saved. Lord, I I pray that your spirit would work in the lives of someone here and bring them to you. Lord, sometimes we get caught up and we get distracted by the world. Lord, I pray that someone here has been struggling that they turn back to you and say, Lord, you are enough. And that they would begin to develop that relationship with you and realize that there's joy there. There's safety there. You are there to, to protect us, not to just make, to make all life easy. You are there to, to hold us, to lift us up, to, make, to help us through the storm, to, to be that solid foundation, to be that solid anchor that when the things around us are bad, Lord, we know you are good and our strength comes from you. Lord, that they would turn back, that that, Lord, if someone here that is struggling, that they would just turn back and realize that you are sufficient. Lord, as a church, that we would proclaim you from the rooftops as being the most sufficient thing, all sufficient, Lord and ruler of all. And Lord, I pray that we would do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.